0: Breaking news.
1: everyone we are back this is the tulsa music stream we've take uh, we've taken a little summer break and uh that way we can work on our tans enjoy the sun and get in our pool and do all those nice things you know we didn't want to have to work and through this summer so this is what we're so we're back anyway hello um this is episode 60 if you guys um w- want to you can um of course you know subscribe to our youtube channel or our twitch channel and we're also on twitter and um of course facebook we also just added stars now so you can uh send us stars and that way it kind of helps us out you know if we case we have to buy a new microphone for nine
2: absolutely (laughs) anyway
1: but it is episode 60 we have a great show we're going to take a little a little stroll back in the 80s sunset boulevard and uh talk about some uh Heavy rock and roll about Motley Crue, LA Guns, and all that good stuff. Bullshit. Cool My name's Scott Squires. I'm your host. This is Nine,
2: and that's Jana.
3: Good to meet you. We're really excited about tonight's guest nine actually discovered him um i didn't
2: discover him i just i was watching youtube one day and i this guy's videos pop up I'm like oh this sounds kind of cool and i watched it and he's he said go go check out my instagram page and i go to his instagram page i'm like holy shit these are cool
0: pictures yeah it's
3: amazing stuff we're here it's amazing stuff mike mike corcion am i saying your last name right
0: that's right Uh correct Okay, excellent. It's it's been it's been butchered, but that was perfect.
3: (laughs) I'm so excited. You know, what was funny. I was looking for for videos on YouTube on how to say your last name properly. I found this other guy. It's not even you, but his name is Mike Corcion, And I heard that that's how he pronounces it. I thought I'm just going to take a stab at it and hope it's right. And and sure enough, it was. But I want to lay the groundwork for for our time that we're going to spend with you. First of all, thank you so much for coming on with Tulsa Music Stream tonight. Your story is incredible. It's it's fascinating. Um, I want to lay the groundwork before we say anything. I want everybody out there watching to go follow Mike at Instagram, and he is at 1985 Road Dog. You will find a treasure trove of pictures from back in the day that you will not believe. Pictures
2: that you would not get in Hit Prater and Circus no. Magazine and Metal <laughs> Edge. I mean, they're they're That's- they're not you know, it's true candid. They're very candid. So
3: besides the Instagram page that you need to follow at 1985 road dog, we got, we need you guys to go subscribe to his YouTube channel, which is called before I forget. And there are numerous videos on there where Mike explains the stories behind the pictures and Mike tonight, my goal, at least my interaction with you. I want to kind of lead you down a few different paths and, and just get the heck out of your way because people are watching tonight to hear these amazing stories If you don't mind I want to start uh, Kind of at the beginning I, I've watched numerous Of your videos And I know that you got Your start Kind of in this Crazy music business As a DJ At a very young age You DJed a high school dance Talk a little bit About those early years And how you got in Into this stuff
0: Well, I mean I just grew up Around music My whole life So from the you know, My earliest memories Are, are like you know, is, they're all related to music in some way. So, uh, you know, I wanted to, uh, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew, you know, in the 70s, the radio was so important and, and DJs were everything, you know, you followed DJs and their careers. <clears throat> uh, it was, you know, it was a special thing. So that was kind of my inspiration was that but I never wanted to be the guy talking on the, on the, on the mic, on the radio. I I wanted to play records. So, you know, it was really didn't exist too much until the disco days. Right. You know, so in those days, you know, that's when the, the DJ became a thing. So I got into that world at a very young age as a, as a late teenager. And that gave me entree as I worked in bigger and better and more important clubs, it gave me entree to, record companies and record company people and how that worked and you know and then I was driven and focused and you know uh really driven and I just you know followed the path and it kind of everything that I've ever done in my life in the music world started because I wanted to be a DJ and that's really still what I love like I I I wish I was you know there was somewhere to actually do it I mean DJs today are not what I was you know DJs today are they're just hitting a program on a computer and, Absolutely. you know, sitting on fireworks, you know what I mean? So it's just, that's how I started. And everything came from that really. It's amazing.
3: So is, is it true that like, once you kind of, well, let me, let me back up back in the day, please correct me if I'm wrong, but being in the role you were in, you had guys from record labels coming to you, trying to get you to spend their artists uh, albums at, at various parties and events. Is that correct?
0: yeah i mean that's you know that's kind of you know uh, what it's all about well back then it was very important back then because you know not every band or every act that got signed to a record label was you know going to be uh, a, a superstar there were bands you had to work so those bands you know post punk punk post punk days early new wave days you know, they were they were hitting all the clubs because the clubs were very powerful. I mean, you know, you're talking clubs that held you know three thousand people, three thousand people. You know, so um, it was just it meant a lot more than you know today. It would never no, no one it could never exist like that today. It's just it's a different world. But then, yes, record company people would come and say, "Hey, play this record for me," and you just you 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 connected with people you know, you, um, uh, you know, you networked and one thing led to another and it was just, if you wanted it, you go out and get it, you could get it. You know, that was the great thing about it. Really. I mean, I was, I was fortunate and I was lucky, but I was driven, man. I was driven to just be in it. And you know, it it led me down the path.
2: (laughs) It seems like you were in a good location too, on the East coast. Um, you know, a lot, it seems like a lot of guys came through wherever you were um working for you to to hook up with all these all these people and these friends eventually leading, you know, you down the line. But um yeah, so how old were you when you were DJing? how old were you when you started?
0: I mean, I did a high school dance when I was fifteen, but I, I mean my, the first club I ever worked at was like a real place was I, it was I was 17. Um you know and it which was not it was. It seems kind of like you know. It's young, but it's not young. I, I mean, the drinking age is 18. Then, so I was in in that world of you know. I play records wherever, but you you had to really want it. You know, you couldn't. It meant so much to play in some of these rooms. You, you couldn't screw up. You, you mm-hmm. couldn't be you know uh, you know not good. You wouldn't last. I don't care what connections you had or how hard you worked. You had to really. Cut, you know cut it with with the guys I learned from that were you know playing the hot clubs that taught me you know it, it was you had to really be good and you had to really want it um, and if you were, you could work pretty much anywhere, but it was a different world rival clubs you know you could work for this guy but not this guy, this guy was in a war with oh, that shoot. guy and you know, there's a lot of that going on you know which probably still goes on in the in the nightclub bar world today.
2: Right. It does. It, yeah, actually, it does. So
1: did uh, your DJing, is that what kind of uh, gave you the opportunity to, you know, go to like record companies and and, and start working for, for that?
0: Yes, that that I'd start meeting people. But at the same time I was DJing, in the very beginning, I, I was working for a record distributor. Uh, I lived in Nassau County, Long Island, which is... Western Nassau County, right at the Queens line. I live close to Kennedy Airport. Mm. So uh, there was a, you know, record distributors around in that area that dealt with import music. So stuff would fly in on the plane to Kennedy and then they'd truck it to these distributors who would then sell it to American record stores, but it was all import music, mm. mostly Europeans and Japanese stuff. So I was working there in the warehouse when I was you know, 18, 19 years old. Mm. So I was plugged in there at the same time. Plus I was DJing. And I worked my way up through that record distributor. And that distributor eventually became Relativity and Combat Records. And,
2: Mm.
0: you know, they eventually sold to Sony for millions of dollars. But I was working there in the warehouse when there was, you know, eight, nine, ten people working there and also DJing. So I had contacts through the import world. The early days, a new wave of British heavy metal and Maiden and Saxon and, and all that stuff. But I'm playing in clubs and I've got reps from... Because yes, you were right. Location is important. You know, we were not far from Manhattan. It was Long Island, so you get reps coming out there to work, the, work the DJ. And you know, if you've got three thousand people in a room, and the B52s are playing, you want the DJ to play a, 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 one of your songs. Mm-hmm. And if he's not, you, you know, you want to know why. So. That was the days, those were the days when record companies had field reps by the dozens that were just out there. It was a massive machine. So, you, yes, I networked with all these people and ended up, you know, as a road manager in 1988. And as you, you know, say, lo-
2: location is important because in that time, it was New York or L.A., and that was it, you know, pretty much the coast. So
3: was was pretty LA? Much. Were the LA Guns? I know you were really good friends with Bruno Ravel and the guys from that, that later became Danger Danger. You, you talked about how you basically met him in high school and you guys roomed together and you had a real good relationship with him throughout this entire span of your career but um who was like was were the la guns guys the first guys you kind of got
0: introduced to or
3: or was it like eddie
1: Eddie, yeah eddie ojeda from twisted sister
3: right
0: yeah i mean i i mean the the first i think bands i i really i mean met and hung out with i want to say it was it was uh iron maiden wow Of, of, of any kind of a real stature do you know what I mean? Like yeah, there were other absolutely. things that yeah, like you'd meet some band from England that never went anywhere and yeah, whatever. But you know, Maiden, I hooked up with them because I had, I was working at this record distributor and I was getting all this import music and I started a little fanzine. Not only it was only only one issue of this fanzine, it's unbelievable, but I, I made a fanzine and I put Iron Maiden on the cover with the new Killers album. Yeah. Somehow it got to the Iron Maiden's manager who got in touch with me because I mailed it from the record distributor. So he, he got in touch with me there, said, Hey, we're coming to America. We're going to be opening for Judas Priest. Um, I knew the guy at Zigzag records, which is a big metal store, heavy metal store in Brooklyn wow. and I helped set up an Iron Maiden in store record signing, met Paul Deano right away, hung out with those guys. That's, that's the first band I really hung with and felt like I had an impact of some sort beyond, you know, I helped set up that in store, And they contacted me because I made this little fanzine. So it was cool. And then, you know, you just go from there. I mean, Bruno and Steve, the Danger Danger guys. I mean, I've known Bruno since I'm 17. Um, You know, we went to a million bars and a million clubs and saw a million bands. We saw Twisted Sister a million times back in the club days when they were really good. Um, And eventually, yeah, Bruno was playing in some bands um, uh, he was in a big cover band on Long Island that, you know, again, it was, a, it was a different world. So cover bands were big still, hanging in there, but Bruno was in a band that did all new wave. And at the same time, we're going to see and hang with Motley. It's like 84, 85. Right. Um, Bruno, after, I think it was 85, Bruno played with Michael Bolton when Michael wow. Bolton had was like a rock guy. He made a really cool you know hard rock well-produced metal rock record called everybody's crazy Mm -hmm. and bruno played on that tour he played bass well hell Uh, michael
2: bolton played harder rock with when he had bruce kulit playing guitar for him in blackjack and um so yeah he came from a harder a harder uh yeah i guess background background than he ended up getting famous for (laughs) didn't kiss didn't kiss get um
1: Michael Bolton's producer for Crazy Nights. I don't
2: know. I think Michael Bolton co-wrote a song with one or something. But anyway.
0: Yeah, they, they were, they were you know, I remember Bruno telling me when he was rehearsing with Michael Bolton for that Everybody's Crazy tour, which wasn't a long tour, uh, he said Paul Stanley was down there at the studio a lot and he was talking to Paul. But they were all tight and wrote together. Michael Bolton was part of that kind of New York scene. You know, he's, uh, I don't know if where he was from originally, but I know when I met him, he was living in Connecticut. So he was part of that kind of New York East Coast, completely different from the West Coast. Right. That was the thing too, that the two scenes were, were you know, East Coast and West Coast. Yeah, it was all big one, you know, mishmash some people, but it was different style, different scenes, man. Absolutely. The LA thing was totally different from the New York guys. It was, right. just a, it was totally black and white. Yep.
3: Did they like each other or was there a lot of animosity between the sides?
0: nah everybody was pretty cool i mean i remember everybody hanging out and getting drunk and wasted and that's all you did and it, you know hey it's so and so from you know great white you know it's just that's it just the, went on all the time a lot of the time. new
2: yorkers relocated to la i mean you got blackie lawless and and uh i mean even kelly nichols rick fox
0: yeah yeah you know i think all those guys well i don't know about kelly but i think rick fox followed blackie out there initially but right. but mm-hmm. kelly kelly went out there i think the first time in like you know 84 85 um and uh just fell in love with it and and you know he kelly uh, you know we were all motley fans man we we were um we were hardcore motley crew fans and and that is really set kelly on his destiny to go go west and end up in la guns um but, but yeah is that,
1: is that why you followed as well
0: no I, I was when i met those when i met those guys in la guns i was working for relativity records which was the was the in-house label of the record distributor i worked for so relativity at the time was getting big i mean you know we had uh, a, a lot of college radio stuff that was really big um we had joe satriani serving with the alien um, we had you know all the thrash stuff on combat, Exodus, Possessed, Megadeth, Death, oh,
1: yeah. you know, mm. uh,
0: it, all that stuff. Yeah. Z trope Agent Steel, they yeah. had all that stuff. So they were they were really getting big, and I was going. I was in New York working for this label as a director of promotions. I was going out to L.A. like I don't know once a, once a month, and and uh, at some point in uh, early. 97, uh, not 97, excuse me, 87, 1987, I connected with Kelly Nichols again because he had left New York. He, he was in Faster Pussycat for a minute, got in that bad motorcycle accident, and then he went back to New York. And then Tracy Guns called him and said, come be in LA Guns, and Kelly was still on crutches. Uh, and that's when I reconnected with Kelly out there. 87, I met Mick and Tracy and all the guys in 87. Every time I went out there, every month, we connected and we had a great time. And then at the end of the year, they asked me to come be their road manager because they were, you know, the records, first records coming out and they're going on tour. And I was, you know, kind of tired of working for this record label. And I said, "You got it." And that was it.
2: Well, so that that kind of brings. um, So after watching some of your stuff, and I, I, I kind of, I saw where you had, were talking about you were LA Guns manager at a certain time, and I was like, "Wait a minute." And so I, I just checked, I, well, I think what I saw was you had posted the tour itinerary for that tour, the dates or the cities and stuff. And I was like, hey, that's when we opened for them. I, I mean, I was a 17-year-old kid at that point. And um, their album had just come out, their first album, and I, we loved it. It was all black, the hair was all jet black, and that was the, that's what we were into. And then I don't even remember how we got the show. I guess someone's was like, you guys went open for LA Guns at the King's Barroom." hell yes we do and uh so and you ended up being their tour manager at that time so we un- unknowingly our p- our paths crossed which, which is cool. was
0: amazing but when you contacted me and we were talking i'm like that's so cool you had, pic- you had pictures from I have that
2: pictures i do yeah.
0: uh and uh, i was like wow that's cool because you know if you don't know there's not many legendary rooms left, you know, um, I, I, is Kane's ballroom still there? Kane's oh, yeah. ballroom
2: is still active and yeah. concert. Now listen up Tulsa. Cause here's a, here's a East coaster that knows all about the Canes. So uh, go ahead.
0: Yeah, that, that listen, I've been all over this country and every bar club in the world. Uh, I mean, in the country, um, the, the Kane's ballroom is one of the most legendary rooms there is. So there's not many left, man. They're all getting torn down. They're You're all right. getting, they're all disappearing. So, so I talked to you about
2: the, about the Sex Pistols. You told me you had seen them on that tour, right? Their U.S. Yes, tour. Yes, right. yes.
0: That well, that's that's when you know when we when I was working for L.A. Guns and we were playing at Kane's Ballroom in Tulsa. You know, um, I don't. Half the guys didn't know the significance, and, and you know, Kelly did, and, and Mick did um, the significance of that room and that band and that tour. Um, because, I mean, that was the first Sex Pistols tour in January of 78. I think it only lasted, what, 10 shows? I seven shows. It did, seven shows. It didn't last very long, but I was living in Georgia at the time. Uh, I was still in high school. I was 16, 17. Um, my parents had divorced, and I lived in Georgia for like four years, in my teen years. Mm. And I lived about, about two hours from Atlanta. And... You know, it's a long story, but I have a YouTube post about it. But I I got up there and saw the Sex Pistols in Atlanta on their first tour, the first show they played in America, because I was a huge fan of punk and the whole scene Uh, Clash, Pistols, The Damned, um, uh, The Ramones. uh, You know, I was buying records mail order from New York. You know, right. sending you know bills in the mail and stamps, and they'd mail you a record back. You know, uh, it was it, again driven, man. It, it, you, you 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 had to be hungry because there was no social media to just pop on and go. Oh look, you know, you if you wanted to, if you lived in Georgia and 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 you had no way to get a, a, a Sex Pistols import 45 from Europe, you had to mail in money to a store in New York City who would mail you one back. These pictures, you it's look like,
2: like you look like the stunt double for Carlos Cavazzo with all the Quiet Riot guys.
0: <laughs> so true. Yeah, yeah. I used to hear that all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's funny. He was, he was a nice guy. I mean, I wasn't really close with him or anything, but he was always a cool dude when I ran into him. He was he was nice. Most we're, of the people, most of the guys were nice back then, man. Nobody was a real dickhead. Everybody good. was cool. Everybody oh. was cool. Was very few, very few people were like. And they were usually lead singers, and they were usually off with a girl, and that's all they cared about. And, mm-hmm. like, leave me alone, you, you know, white guy over here. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, th- th- that's kind of how they were. Yeah. Um, but, you know, most of the guys were really cool. You know, it, looking it, you at you know, these
1: pictures, you know, just – when I was young and, and and like he said all the hit prater pitchers and, and I'd be like man God I would love to go out there and and and, and do exactly what you're doing you know and for, from you to go from New York and then to LA the west coast what were some of the some of the first guys that you kind of you know got to hang out with and, and, and then start kind of building your uh, reputation with all of them
0: um well, the West Coast guys is probably Motley but because I had a really good friend at Electra Records and, you know, I, I worked at this import record distributor, but we also sold independent American stuff, so like an indie label, um, you know, we sold uh, the record distributor, this, uh, it was called IRD, Important Record Distributors, they distributed um, uh, Me- uh, Megaforce metallica's label they distributed all the metal blade stuff mm-hmm. and they distributed you know the motley crew the independent motley crew on on leather records was you know we were trying to sell some believe it or not it really wasn't doing well for us it, was, it did well on the west coast but anyway i had gotten that record when it came out then and, and we you know i was like this is this is great love the first motley crew record so then my friend says hey we signed a you know electric signing motley crew I was like, wow, that's cool, they're good, blah, blah, blah. So, um, I met them once real briefly at the record label one day, um, and that was it. And then a year or so later, they're they're coming around on the uh, Shout the Devil Tour open for Ozzy. And my friend at the lecture, it's like, tickets, passes, just hooking me up. And we liked to party, man. And Motley Crue were, you know, I don't say Motley Crue. I, I, when I say Motley Crue, from this point forward, I'm really talking about Nikki and Tommy right. because mm-hmm. Vince, you never saw. He was always with a girl and he didn't want to hang out with us anyway. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Mick was an old older guy and grabbed his bottle and went off on his own. Right. But, you know, that's how we hooked up with him in the shout at the devil days when they were crazy and young and really open and, you know, I mean, the a lot of the pictures, the crazy pictures from New Haven on that "Shout at the Devil" tour. There was literally, we walked backstage into this room, and there was like the guys are just sitting there by themselves, and they're like, you know, and, and it just it pops off, man. They were they were, Tommy was like the fire, you know, the party starter, and you know, and we like to party, and you know, they like to party, so it just you know, and that's how we really connected with them. And, you know, and watching,
3: just I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: No, go, go, go ahead. Go I ahead. was I just, just going to say, so I just <laughs> you're,
3: you're great, man. Great stories. And watching some of your videos, I, I get the sense that you're kind of like, uh, so you, you talk about, of course you talk about Motley in some of your videos, you talk about LA guns and there's kind of a similarity between the two bands. You know, they, when they first start out, they have this really rough and raw, just kind of just tough, tough, uh, dangerous, dangerous. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, uh, imagery and and just just even the sound of the music then the record label gets a hold of them and kind of molds them into this you know marketable thing that's going to reach more people is it safe to say that that you enjoyed both LA Guns and Motley before that happened when they were just really rough and raw and you know i, I mean i guess it stands to reason that anytime a record label gets a hold of a band they're looking at dollar signs and and I think that probably happened with both bands, but you really relished the early days of both of those bands, correct?
0: Yes. I mean, you know, there, there's, every band has a golden period. I mean, um, you know, for Motley Crue, the, the difference there between those two bands is Motley Crue, what you saw is what you got, you know, all those crazy pictures and Hip Parader and all that stuff. Those guys were nuts, man. Like yeah. that, they were, they were not faking it. They were, they were like a gang first in a band second, because I mean I saw them a bunch of times, man. Shout at the Devil, Theater of Pain, and they they never really sounded great. You, you know what I mean? I'm not saying they were terrible, but you know you go then you go see the Scorpions and be like, whoa. Right. You, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. um Motley were they were they were the real deal with that rock and roll. Let's just go nuts. We don't care. rest us. We'll fight you. You know they were nuts. Right. You know whereas LA Guns were not like that. Mick is very very intelligent guy. Mick is the guy that really found the manager initially, got them organized. Mick is that was very important to Your the, speak, the you're whole You're talking about beginning. Mick Cripps,
2: just for everybody.
0: Mick, Mick Cripps, Not very bars. important guy in the band. Um, you know, uh, Tracy, you know, uh, is is the guitar hero. You know, but Tracy wasn't as a partier. Tracy, back in those days, 88, 89, Tracy didn't drink, smoke weed, didn't do anything. He was hmm. straight as an arrow. Wow. Um, uh, you know, Kelly, you know, Kelly's a stoner and likes to drink a little beer and, you know, uh, wasn't nuts. And, and um, you know, Phil Lewis is, was a little older and had, had been in girl and, and he was like, knew how to handle it all in a way. And Steve Riley was the older guy, too, that had been in Wasp and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, wow. signed how many record deals he had been in. Steve, is, Steve was the seasoned guy. They weren't like that. But, but yes, you know, the, the, the to me, L.A. Guns is the first album, period. And, and, and that's me, you know. The yeah. Cocked and loaded. I'm not discounting it as a bad record. It, you know, it went gold. They had a single with Ballad of Jane and all that stuff. That's not L.A. Guns. That's not what L.A. Guns is supposed to sound like to me, you know, because I I saw them in the in the raw days, you know, you know, that album, that first album, that's not Steve Riley. A lot of people know that if you're an L.A. Guns fan. It's Nikki Beat. Nikki Beat's more of a punk rock guy, Um, you know, so they changed after that. They had a new manager from the first album to the second album. They got a new manager that was much more of a record industry guy. Right. And and you know they started writing with people and singing vocals they could never reproduce live right. it just like, it became that because the manager they, they signed with that's all he knows how to do mm-hmm. the guy that stuck with them through the early days and got them their record deal was like another member of the band he kind of didn't know the industry as much but he was good for the band in the long for the long haul from album one to album two, they tried to just shift from first to fourth gear. Like, you know, right. it, 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 to me, it, it was successful, but it, it, it wasn't, I think they lost people along the way and they lost direction. Well, a lot of bands
2: become more polished, you know, if their first album, whatever comes out, and it's, of course, you, everybody loves it and the record company sees dollar signs, everything becomes more polished.
1: Always. And And... Um, it
3: happens every time, it seems yeah, to be like. Yeah, you
2: know. but, you know, you
1: said in one of your videos... You said when you saw them on the theater pain tour, to you it felt like a Vegas show. It was you know bigger and all this, and it just wasn't as dangerous. But then, in the next few sentences, when you went to go meet Nicky in his elevator, or, or, or you went up in the elevator and met Nicky in his hotel room, you said it was darker. He was in a dark room. Mm-hmm. He was probably on smack or something, and, and so in the same breath you're saying shout the devil was more dangerous, but they were doing less drugs, but then theater pain looks less dangerous, but they were actually, they could
2: afford better drugs. They were
0: more dangerous. (laughs) Well, it, well, what, what happened was, you know, to me, again, from my point of view, this isn't gospel or anything. It's just my point of view. When I say it was more dangerous, they didn't, they really, um, they, they there was you know there was no heroin involved and and they were they were coked up and drunk and would do uh, do anything like just crazy people like Biden, like it was leaders. a very it was manic it was a manic energy very manic the energy mm-hmm. by theater pain again and i thought about this after the fact of making that video that you know uh vince had been in the accident with razzle yep. there was there was a disconnect there um you know, Tommy was in chasing Heather Locklear. Nikki was doing smack. You know, and it was just, it was he was more dangerous. Nikki, I would I, I, rather than the band. But Nikki was, it was you could, you know, I've been around a lot of druggy people, and that energy of that kind of a down heroin druggy vibe is just you can just sense it. It just doesn't feel good to me. I'm sensitive to that, you know, and then, you know, but Tommy would, you know, snort a pile of ball, but be like, dude, let's party, you know? (laughs) So it was, it was that, I mean, but the show itself was more, I mean, look, it's, 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 um, you look at the theater pain set and it was, you know, it looked like Mad Max. It was very spikes and dangerous Mm -hmm. and everything was red lights and, you know, smoke and theater pain was like pink and, and, you know, it was like a different shift. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that was a bad move. I no, thought it was,
3: but you're you know, right. that
0: look, you're it's right. the next move. But the yep. show itself was like, you know, all that, like that became, and again, I'm not knocking this. It's a natural progression for a band like Motley Crue to go through this stuff where he's, the drum solo gets crazier. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, for me, yes, god bless it's like you go on your way and make money and be successful but like i i can't follow you much longer for me All right you, you, you know what i mean it's like i i had good times with that whole scene but it was like you know by by the time you got to um what was after that girls girls girls, girls yeah. i was you know in record company world and and working flying all over and working radio stations and you know and that's when i met the LA guns guys so that's you know. a great
3: segue into my question for you i w- i want to shift back to to focusing on you for a uh, minute here and your story instead of hearing about the other guys that you supported I, we know by watching your videos you were you were out there with the LA guns guys as the road manager for 10 months and then you you've made comments that by the end of that, that you were cracking up, basic, basically at your wits end. You were maybe getting three hours of sleep a night. Have you ever contemplated how many years you may have shaved off of your life <laughs> d- doing those ten months with the, with those guys out on the road?
0: Um, I've never contemplated that because, uh, you know, uh, you know, I feel real good. Like, like good. you know, it's it's about look. I the reason I I. I'm, I'm able to step back and, and tell stories like this and, and be very detail-oriented. Well, A, I kept a journal, but B, my intention was never to be a guy in the road for 20 years slogging road cases. Right. Y- you know, that was never my intention, was to do it long-term. I did it with those guys because they asked me, number one. Number two, we had gotten really tight. I mean, I know Kelly since 1983. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so we had gotten really tight and it was just fun and they, we all got along and I needed to change and the manager at the time who got them their record deal and helped them, you know, immensely without him, there'd be no LA guns. His name is Alan Jones. Um, I had been working at relativity, so I was plugged into all the whole network of radio guys, independent radio promoters, you know, trade sheets, charts. I, I was plugged into that world because that was what I had been doing for the last year. Um, and they kind of needed that help. So when you'd roll into a town, I had people I could call and go, hey, you know, hey, we're doing an in-store at uh, the record bar, um, you know, and somebody would know somebody here and the polygram rep would get in touch with that guy. And all of a sudden there's, you know, an extra 200 kids there or something. Like mm. all that kind of stuff was going on. So I could help them in that aspect, but I didn't want to be a guy 20 years on the road. I mean, your brain becomes mush. You, you can't right. tell a story. You can't even speak. Right. So, You're a baby you son know, too. Oh, baby. yeah. I mean, th- those guys were, 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 it was very, it was very stressful because, you know, th- you had a young, th- you had three guys that had never been on the road before you had phil lewis who toured with girl i think they went to japan and they toured europe but it's not like touring america man right. and then steve Riley, who's the seasoned guy had been in around the block so there was a lot of you know if i told those guys look there's no hotels tonight you're sleeping on the bus or you're going to sleep on the bus for three days they'd be like okay but steve would not have that so steve was like no yeah we need hotels so there was a lot of that kind of I'm not saying that was exactly what happened, but that was an example of something. Steve was used to being a little bit more, you know, staying in decent hotels and stuff. Right. Uh, um, And there's a lot of tension that way, Um, you know, but the management also great guys, Alan, but, you know, didn't really have it together financially. Money was, you know, you run short of money on the road, you know, there's no Venmo. You know, 1988, right. you know, you're going to Western <laughs> Union in the bad part of town and trying to get, you know, a couple grand to keep things rolling. So, what,
3: so did, what did you go do after you got off the road with them?
0: I when I got off the road with them, I honestly I for the first three or four months, I just stayed home. I, I, I went to my dad's house and just collapsed and just stayed there. Yeah. And then I started thinking about what I wanted to do. And I, I'm, you know, again, I, I'm a DJ at heart. So um, I had been to, uh, you know, some clubs out in LA, the Cat House and stuff. And no one in New York was doing like a rock dance thing where you play rock music, but people would dance, mostly girls. Mm-hmm. So I went to a club in Long Island that, that I, I had known and they had a successful club and they had an open Wednesday night and I said, let's do a night. And I became a rock DJ there, playing rock music, and it got really successful. And then another guy that owned and worked at a club in Queens came to me and said, "Hey, we like what you're doing. Let's do let's do a, a night." So then we started a night called uh, Raw R A W on Fridays. Again, super successful. No bands, just me DJing. And then that guy that from Raw was promoting at limelight and he got me into rock and roll church on sundays i worked there for like seven years playing rock music but during that time i did a lot of other stuff as well i had some uh independent promotion things i was doing indie indie work for some labels and um uh i, I was managing a band a local band for a while I was, and i was djing all this time um and that's where i went after uh, but at the same time la guns were back around in 89 on cocked and loaded and they call me and Mick uh, says, Hey man, we hate our road manager. Like you got to come hang out with us, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. He goes, you know, just come hang out <laughs> and you stay with me in my room and just, you know, cause this guy, you know, again, he was from the new management and he, um, you know, wasn't a bad guy. He just, they were used to me. I mean, I took care of those guys. Sure, I got LA guns and some of those guys that have, bad jams just let me say so they know i took care of them uh royally so so how
2: how much consideration went in (coughs) to you know thinking about sharing all these pictures and all these stories like oh shit this guy's gonna be pissed if he sees it or or this guy's gonna you know how much consideration went into it the the story i mean i
0: I thought about it. I mean, as far as Motley Crue goes, like, I mean, I mean, they they wrote the book, The Dirt. They have the movie, you know, when you snort and blow off a girl's, you know, uh, ass, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and and showing yourself with needles hanging out of your arm. I mean, I I mean, this is pretty tame. So, 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 I mean, some of the guys, you know, I mean, again, these are, I could really, I have pictures that I would never post do you know what I mean? Like there's, oh, there's sure. this picture you, oh, you can never sure. post, um, you know, and, uh, so I won't, and and not, and not all of them are what you think. Sometimes it's like, man, he, you know, he would kill me if I posted his picture I mean he doesn't look good or whatever. Right. So I, 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 you know, I pull back, but listen, man, the, the, we're, we're all, we're all, um, slaves to the social media and, and, it's like everything's off the table. It's like, you know, uh, again, you know, I, I I say in some of my videos, I don't glorify this stuff. I'm not trying to, you know, it's like, look, I'm telling stories, man. Uh, i I started this journey because i I had written a script about my life as a DJ in a mafia run nightclub in Long Island. Wow. I have a script that I, I have a script that I've written for a while ago. so then then during Covid, I started putting I had written a bunch of stuff over the years different pieces and I started putting it together over COVID because I was grounded man you just you, you, I couldn't work so um uh, you know I was in the hospitality business uh so I I couldn't work so I just started writing and writing and writing so I wrote this book and then I said you know I'm gonna start posting this stuff it's like listen man I just want it out there it's like there, there's there's people that dig it and there's people that don't and if you don't dig it don't look at it don't watch it gotcha. but if you dig it it's like this is you know I didn't have anything like this when I you know when I was you know 17 18 you know you you stayed up to one o'clock in the morning on Friday nights to watch midnight special <laughs> and, you know God. and I hope hopefully you'd see something cool you know or you'd have to run down to the store and you know pick up a new magazine just to see what the hell's going on so I it's like, I'm, I'm very encouraged. People have sent me messages and stuff like, and again, I'm not doing this for self-glorification. I, mm-hmm. I, I have a lot of stuff I've written. I, I'm working on a treatment for a, a a TV series kind of thing. And again, no one's banging on my door to buy this stuff, but I'm writing it and I'm leaving it. And if it never gets done, um, you know somebody will get it and do something with it, or they won't. I've seen the, the
2: comments. I've seen the comments on the on Instagram, the pictures, and a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people love it. I mean, true. I did. Here's the thing: you were doing that, hanging out. You said it was like eighty-four, eighty-five Motley Crue, and. Him and I were 14, 15 years old getting ready to go to seventh grade next year. But, you know, sitting there staring at that Shout the Devil album cover, you know, in the pictures. And so, you know, I th- you're a few years older and you were you were living the, those, those rock and roll dreams that we were here in the Midwest thinking about, you know. Yeah.
1: And I wanted to add as well, you know, you're talking about not glorifying it. I mean, you live and partied with these guys and and you have these pictures and you were doing blow and drugs and and, and drink and all this stuff with all these guys. But then there was a time when these guys got much older, much bigger playing bigger festivals, doing bigger things. And, and some, some of them have died. Some of them passed on like Robin Crosby, like Kevin DeBro, like all these guys that you, you know, were once doing these things with. And then, And then Kevin doesn't wake up because he was doing the same exact thing. Does that ever bother you or you know haunt you at all? You know, thinking about hanging out with Robin and and things like that and and all that. You know,
2: debauchery. Yeah,
0: I mean, I I, honestly no, it doesn't. It never bothered me because I mean, I just I you know, listen. I've been close. I've been close to death a few times in my life for many different reasons different ways. And, and, and I'm just saying, you know, I'm still here when my brother's not here. My cousin's not here. There's so many people in my family who are not here because they, you know, again, went too far, took it too far. Uh, those guys and in, and, and you know, Robin and, 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 and uh, Kevin Dubrow and these guys, it's like, look, man, that's, that's you sign. When you sign the contract, you're signing the deal with the devil, you know, not everybody makes it out. It's like, that's how I look at it. I mean, look at, go back, Brian Jones, Jimi Hendrix, you know, Jim Morrison. I mean, all these people, young 27 club. It's just, it's the myth, you know, Robin was, you know, Robin liked to party. He liked to, you know, do drugs, you know, but he was the nicest guy. I think out of all of those guys, he was the nicest he was just the coolest dude he was like a gentle giant very he was so big i mean the guy was what i don't even know 6'4". He six four he six, was in, yes he was big yeah six four six he was five. a big dude so he didn't have to be wild and loud and speak loudly he was just like cool and calm and but you knew you never were going to mess around with him He so was did just Vinnie very vincent gentle.
1: ever let you hang out with him Did you ever get a picture <laughs> of Benny vincent
0: Oh, Vinny Vincent, man, that guy is <laughs> that, that, that. Listen, that incident with Vinnie Vincent was was the the, um, the last time I was on the road with LA Guns, and that led to that whole period where everybody was just losing their minds, and that's when I was cracking up. That Vinnie Vincent thing was torturous. Mm. Um, again, you, you 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 know the the ego ego. Now I'm not, you know, again, if you don't know the story, we were opening for Vinnie Vincent. That's what he thought, but it was supposed to be a co-headline tour. Right, yeah. So you get equal billing, equal stage, stage space, equal, you know, the size of your name and the advertising has got to be the same, all this stuff. So that was the deal. So he, you know, he thought I've never had any real respect for that guy ever. Even when he was in kiss, or, you know, for like, well, you know, he thought he was still in Kiss when he was playing, you know, Harpo's in Detroit. You, you know what I mean? So it was just very torturous. I mean, he, he was very unreasonable. His manager, road manager was unreasonable. It was just horrendous. And, and the LA guns guys are like, screw this guy, man. You know, we, we've just, we opened for ACDC, we open for Iron Maiden, we opened for this band. Um, we, you know, we play our own headline gigs and, big clubs and making money blah 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 you know they they didn't want to do it but for some reason it was that for was supposed to be 2 months it was like we need to do this because you know there's nothing else or we have whatever it was you have to keep playing because if you don't there's no money and then you can't pay right. any bills right. Right. so we did that and it was just like from the from the first second it was just terrible it was just ego like you wouldn't believe it's just like I, I don't know man. Mm. I listen, so there,
1: there 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 was a fight that happened between the 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 road crew of Vinnie Vincent and the guys in LA Guns, um Kelly Nichols and Mick Cripps. and had you intervened before that blew up and say you went and handled it and took care of it and talked to the Vinnie Vincent Invasion guys management and you got the LA Guns guys to cool cooler jets would have that prolonged? Say we play a what if? Would that would have that prolonged your uh, duration
0: with LA Guns? Um, that's a very good question. Uh, probably, um, but um, there was no way that tour was going to continue. There was just no way. Uh, I mean, y- you know, um, Kelly and and Mick. Or the, were just they're not having it. Steve, well, it really was Steve. The biggest issue of the entire thing was the friggin' drum riser, which is always the issue. It's always the drum riser. I don't care where <laughs> right. or what. Where. So there was the drum riser. We couldn't Fucking use drum. the drum riser. You're not telling Steve Riley, he's playing on the floor. Right. At this point in their career, when they're when they're, you know. I mean, you're not telling him he's playing on the floor in front of Vinnie Vincent with a pink wig. You're not telling them. Right. So, So, you know, and Steve's from Boston, man. He's a tough dude. Steve's older. I mean, right. you know, he was like, you know, hey, listen, bro, that ain't happening. You know, and I'm like, exactly. I mean, I have to back those guys up, my guys. Right. It's like, right. Steve was like, you know, listen, Steve, because of his age and experience and business uh, experience, he was the business guy, really. He's the guy that talked to the management more and all this kind of stuff. And he kind of like, you know, he would put his foot down about certain things and Mick would put his foot down. Nothing went on unless Mick agreed. So, so you know, it was just like, by this point, you have to understand, three shows, amps cutting out, PA cutting out, lights going out, stuff missing, this went on for three days, Jeez. and then you're telling Steve Riley you're, you got to play on the floor, Mm-mm. and then <laughs> it wasn't gonna, it wasn't going to end. good. and and again, we had been on the road. This is July sometime. We had been on the road hardcore since January first. So everybody was also burnt yeah. and tired, and like, wait Didn't a minute, we just up came bullshit. Up. We just came off the road, opened for Iron Maiden, blah blah blah, and arenas sold out. We got to put up with this shit now. Yeah. Like they're like you know, and the final straw was they left me stranded out in the middle of the woods in Michigan somewhere. I, had it, it, it yeah, the I band it was just furious. So it was just it was really bad. I, I've not encountered many people like Vinnie Vincent ever in this business. Um, complete, just. Uh, he, the guy thought he was Robert Plant, Mick Jagger, and Jimmy Page all rolled mm-hmm. into one. You, you know what I mean? Like that kind of, hey, you could just see it. He had that. And we e- all know ego. what
2: happened because his own band thought the same thing and went and formed Slaughter.
0: So, mm. yeah, those guys were, were kind of cool. They they were just trying to stay out of it. They were like, you know, you, but I, it was the Vinnie Vincent, the Vinnie Vincent invasion.
1: So. I, I'm sure you still keep up with the Motley Crew guys. You know, knowing that you were buds with those guys in the early days especially you know them coming up with the shout the devil era and now they're on the stadium tour with poison and Def Leppard and Joan Jett um, I don't know if you've gotten to see that show yet I just recently came back from the Arlington show but what is what is that I don't know does that does that make your heart warm knowing that these guys are still out doing their thing and, and, and you kind of kind of grew up
0: with them yeah, I mean, listen, you know, it's just my, my my favorite saying is, you know, rock and roll is dead, long live rock and roll. So it, it's, it's you know, it's great to have shows like that. I think it's good for the kids to go see it. Uh, I'm glad there's some young people going to see it. And it's not just like, you know, 60, 50, 60 year old people like, you know, I, I'm glad to see some youth yeah. out there try, going to see it. I mean, for me, I, I had no interest in going to see it. I just, I can't go to, sh- I'm spoiled, I can't go to shows unless I'm like, I I got a hookup. I, yeah. I just can't do it, you know what right. I mean? I, uh, I go, I have a friend that works the Rolling Stones, which is like my last really good hookup, and I get treated like gold going to the Stones. So nice. I'm like, uh, okay, it, you know, but there was a point where I spent a lot of money going to see the Rolling Stones over the years, a lot of money. I just bought a lot of tickets. I mean, Stones are my band, so you know, uh, I think it's good. I think any rock bands or it's it's good. I mean I have my own opinions about the, the way the bands are presenting the whole thing but that's just my opinion. Uh, God bless rock on and you know well, clearly Tom,
2: Tommy Lee still acts like he did in 1983 <laughs> and 84 except he, he does it on, he does it on social media now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. let's it all hang I don't out. Know.
0: You know, Tommy, you know, uh, uh, again, Tommy was, I think. Do you have I a pick, think, Jenna? <laughs> no, I don't. Go ahead, Mike. We don't have that pick. Oh, yeah, the, 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 the schlong pick, the I call dick, it. Dick <laughs> pick. Oops Tommy, oops. Tommy was always the most adventurous one musically in that band. So, so I mean, in Theater of Pain, pop into his hotel room, he's playing the Gap Band, hmm. Burn Rubber on Me, which if you don't know that song, listen to it. It's a hard funk dance song. And he was like, dude, the funk, the funk, you know, and I'm like, I understood because I was a DJ and I played a lot of that music. So, um, you know, he was always more like, what's next Um, kind of thing. I mean, he really got into the hip hop thing because that's what, you know, that's what sells. That's what's big. That's what the youth are all about is you know hip hop and pop hip hop whatever you want to call it i don't know but that's that's what he was you know eventually led into and now the whole machine gun kelly and all that i mean you know look I, i'm older man it's not my generation but i'm glad that there's rock bands out there playing you should go see as many of them as you can um you know you i know have, it's do you tough, like
2: but... any new bands do you have any new bands that you like rock bands, not really not... man
0: me neither, buddy. <laughs> I, I, do. I, have one.
2: I have one. Ooh. And, and I, I like Ghost.
0: You know, I, I like Ghost when they first came out. I like Ghost like in the beginning. And then I kind of like, because that's just me. I get bored with stuff. Uh, but I did Ghost. I thought Ghost were very unique and they had a really good sound. I, I, their, their whole thing was good. <clears throat> I like Ghost. Um, but I don't, you know, the last show I went to see was Craftwork, if you know who they are. Oh, of course, um, yeah. I went to see craft work, and you know, <laughs> it's just not the same.
3: Wow. Hey, do you have time for a viewer question? We've got a viewer question yeah. in here. Yeah, We've yeah, couple, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm good to, to, to go, read. man. Okay. Yeah, Scott, you want to you want to go ahead and read it? Or? Yeah.
1: So, uh, Travis Arnold in the in the chat room. We have people who are watching the the whole uh, interview and chiming in as we talk. Uh, Travis Arnold he, he was an, also a musician he's out in Florida he says my buddy Richard Bateman rest in peace here in Florida played in Agent Still and Nasty Savage and goes on to say back in the day Agent Still had a larger draw than Iron Maiden believe it or not and Richard was a badass bassist I was with Tracy when I met my first wife and he was straight laced and we were at FM station Filthy McNasty's
3: do you, find, do you see the part where he's actually asking Mike a question? Yeah, where's the question? He's got a question for Mike. I I can scroll back and find it. But, Teresa, do you also have a written-down question from a viewer or did you give it to him? Scott answered it. Oh, Scott answered forget it. Forget about it. Okay. Well, never mind. Well, his oh, question his was, question. Uh,
1: was Mike at the Roxy, the night warrant?
3: The night warrant, King's ex, Pretty Boy Floyd, and Young Guns, a.k.a. Wildside, got signed. Do you remember being at the Roxy that night?
0: no in florida no, or the rocks in LA. la yeah no 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 when i was in la in that scene i i didn't really venture out too much anywhere with any other bands i, I hung with la guns and they crossed paths with the guns and roses guys you know a little bit and that was really it like i didn't i didn't la guns were determined and focused not to be a part of that whole Glam, warrant, poison, warrant, and all that stuff. They they were more leaning toward being like a motley crew in a way, or a more hard edged, like you had said before. So I didn't really, you know, very few of those bands we cross paths with. I did, you know, Kelly was friendly with uh, Brett Michaels, so you know, you'd see him around and stuff. But um, you know, there's enough going on with LA Guns. You didn't have to go anywhere. It's like it all came to you. You know what okay, I mean.
3: Right. Just... Well, let me ask you this: So Bruno Revel is your real good buddy from from way back in the day, and his band Danger Danger. They they kind of started getting big as this whole genre was kind of drawing to its end, and here came grunge. W- were you in any way involved with any of the Danger Danger activities, or were you were you just a, a friend at that point?
0: Yeah, I had no dealings with them in in any kind of creative or official capacity. We were just friends. Um, you know, um, Bruno, um, you know, Bruno and Steve were, were, were in our songwriters. I mean, they, you know, they liked bands and they liked playing in bands and, they, and everything, but they, they wanted to write pop rock songs. That's what they wanted to do. Um, and uh, just different, you know, I mean, uh, Bruno's, you know, very he's a you know classically trained i believe i mean bruno's dad played in the new york philharmonic uh, so bruno bruno's got a good ear uh, i mean he produces stuff now um but he it was very precise you know about songs and production um you know different from kelly and kelly's more of a nikki six kind of a guy you know so um it just both of those guys are kind of coming up at the same time um you know, and uh, you'd cross paths, but it was just in a friendly sense. I, I mean, danger, danger, I, whatever they were doing, I was doing something else. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, just never worked out. Gotcha.
3: Gotcha.
2: I, was, I wanted to say before I forget, um, <laughs> I get it. Yeah. I honest. wanted to say um, out, of, out of those seven Sex Pistol shows, Kane's Ballroom is the only venue that is still open out of all those seven places they played.
0: Huh. Wow. Trivia. Interesting. If you're listening I to this, show, man,
1: <laughs> I was at that <laughs> show and uh, I got up. That was my first time I ever stage dove. Where? At the Canes Ballroom, okay. LA Guns. And, and uh, Tracy Guns ran across the, across the stage and booted me right in my ass. And I fell <laughs> onto the floor and my friends didn't <laughs> even catch me. So that was my first experience. Yeah. At the
2: Canes? At the Canes Ballroom, LA, guys. Right. My first experience at Canes Ballroom was Armored Saint, Metallica, and Wasp. Yeah.
0: That's a powerful show. Remember yeah, that? Do is. you remember
2: that tour? Because I know
0: they played New York. Um, yeah. It, was, like I, 80, it played, was 85. Yeah, they played three nights at Lamore in right. Brooklyn. Uh, yeah. They were Wasp, uh, uh, Metallica, Wasp, and Armored Saint. And I saw two of the three shows, and I thought I didn't like Metallica at the time because you know, they I was not into the whole thrash thing. It was just more right. about I don't know, tearing people down, like if you weren't like them, you know, the whole poser thing and right. all that crap. It was just like it was such a load of crap. Yeah. Um so I wasn't a Metallica fan, but again, you know, I recognized that they were big and getting bigger. You know what I mean? It just wasn't my scene. Wasp to me, they had the they were the middle slot, you know, and again this is lamore in Brooklyn in 1985. So the head, the, the last band Metallica, I want to say they had to go on it. was definitely after midnight, you know, 1230. Mm-hmm. So Wasp played in the middle and man, they seeing Wasp at Lemoore was like, for me, seeing Kiss in 75, it was just like, wow, it yeah. was insane. It was so good. And they were so tight and it was so loud. And that's where I met Steve Riley for the first time is at that show. Oh, sweet. Uh, um, no, actually, I met him the night, the day before, because they did an in-store record signing. But the, that that was Wasp and 84, 85 were just un- untouchable hey, Man, So the they shitty were-
2: part for me about that show, so I go and Armored Saint comes on. I liked Armored Saint. I wasn't there for Metallica either. I was there for Wasp and Armored Saint. And then after Armored <laughs> Saint, the announcer comes out and he says, Due to an illness in the band, wasp will not be performing tonight oh, terrible. What? so I didn't get to see wasp that time. I did see him later, but uh <laughs> I was bummed, man, but I did get to see Cliff Burton like about eight nine months before he died, so that was mm-hmm. I guess that's kind of yeah. cool. That's
3: cool and I got yeah, one more that... question. yeah go for it uh, yeah
2: anyone back
1: then um that you didn't work with but would have loved to.
0: Who cool. I didn't work with but would have loved to? That's a good question. Um, uh, hard to say, man. Uh, I, you know, I'll have to say maybe gun, or like that. Guns and Roses, man. Guns and Roses. There you go. I there you mean, go. Yeah. Guns and Roses were the real deal. I mean, the first time I ever saw LA Guns at the Troubadour, Axel Rose jumped up on stage and sang a song with them. Oh, cool. And so i and don't take this the wrong way what i'm telling you so i sat the la gun set i loved it and it was great it was the first time i've ever seen the band but i've been friends with them now for you know a couple months axel jumps up on stage and sings one song with the band i'm like oh just mm. different you could tell right away that this guy this That'd guy's going go, he's he's going there um you know so um i they, they were the real deal 87, 88, 89, 90, and then, you know, then they started, Axel started losing his mind and everything kind of went sour, but those early Guns N' Roses days, open for Aerosmith and that kind of stuff, that was, those but, were special, they were special gigs. But right.
3: Mike, can you imagine trying to take care of those guys? If LA Guns was tough, can you just, can you imagine <laughs> what they were, what Guns N' Roses?
0: Not just that, but those you
3: guys, through? just
2: try Axel
3: alone. Yeah, no kidding.
0: Yeah. I mean, I got friendly with uh, not friendly, but you know, because we were at war at times with uh, their road manager, Dougie Goldstein, who who became their manager after Alan Niven uh, was let go. Uh, Dougie Goldstein, you know, I don't know how he did it either. I mean, but, but you know, Axel, I never had a problem with Axel, man. I, I have I've had some long conversations with him, you know, a mm-hmm. couple times back in those days. We'd have talks, and like I could I could understand him. We got along really well on a, on a you know, um cerebral level, you know, we would just talk. Um the other guys were slash and and duff mainly were the guys that were just and Adler were the guys that were getting all, you know, fucked up all the time. Right. Um, you know, Izzy was in control of himself for the most part, realized what was going on and got himself out of there. Yeah, he got tired of that You shit. know? Yeah. But it, I mean, yeah, it would have been rough. It would have been tough because there was a lot more focus. On the band, they were bigger, they were selling more records, they were huge, huge on the radio. L.A. Guns was never huge on the radio, ever. Ballad of no, Jane right. was a you know a small top 40 hit. Right. Guns and Roses, were you know, I don't know if they ever had a number one, but they were top 10, you sure. know, Sweet Child of Mine and- uh,
2: November Rain uh, and- oh,
0: Yeah, yeah, like I mean, so they, the were just bigger. they were just bigger. Do Guns you have any contact
2: with any of these guys we've talked about any longer?
0: No. The no. only person I really talk to regularly is Mick Cripps. Uh, 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 Mick and I have been tight from day one, and um, we 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 laugh and talk and text and you know, Mick's Mick's great. He's still playing music. He's you know he works like a regular job like everybody, but he still plays music and he does some cool stuff. So, um, but everybody else, you know, I mean, it's not like I'm not talking to anybody. I mean, I haven't spoken to Bruno in a long time. I haven't spoken to some people in you know years, but yeah. Do you, you have know, any beef with anyone no okay i'm cool. a different person man I, I forgive and let go and i don't hold on to shit i move on and it's a, you know the world's changed man yep. life's too You're short right. you You're know right, man. let go of your grudges and be happy amen so <clears throat>
2: you got a book now so we i know you got a you've written a book so when when are we going to be able to read this book
0: you know, I, I've, you, you ha- it's like getting a record deal. You know, you have to submit it to publishers and publishing houses and people like it or they don't or they don't even care. They don't look at it. It's the same old story. So I've been looking into self-publishing, um, you know, more of a, um, not like an Amazon thing, but like, you know, putting some cash into it and, and printing some hardcover books and, and selling them and getting them distributed and stuff. So I'm looking into that because <clears throat> the printed word is also, you know, it's like the record business, it, you know, it's kind of going away, you know, mm-hmm. people read books, but you know, Kindles and You know, so I'm an old-school book guy, man. I've loved books since I'm a child. So I'll have a book one day It'll probably be self-published at this point, but you know, I'm gonna make a nice hardcover book and um, You know, we'll see what happens, but yeah. well,
3: this is the, the been... writing.
0: Go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm saying that the writing continues. I'm always writing new stuff and putting things down on paper.
3: We're definitely going to continue to follow you. You've given us a full hour. Thank you so much. What a fascinating life you've lived. And, And we just want to remind everybody, please follow Mike at Instagram. Uh, you can find him there at 1985 Road Dog. He's got
2: such great pictures there. He's got a bu- he has yeah. a book
1: hopefully coming out soon. As yes. we, just,
3: we
2: just talked about that. Yep.
3: Yeah, and, just, and remember yeah. to subscribe to his YouTube channel. He's got videos coming out there regularly, and that YouTube channel is called Before I Forget. Uh, sir, do you have any closing words for us before we cut you loose for the night?
0: Well, if you can't find the YouTube, there's before I forget is apparently a popular name. So if you go to my 1985 road dog Instagram, there's links there to the, to the YouTube. You can get off my, my bio page, but I just want to say thanks for, you know, inviting me on and, you know, caring and giving a shit. And, you know, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's, it's something that is 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 good for my soul to talk about this stuff because i just want to leave it as i get older man i just want to leave things for people to be like okay cool that that happened you know oh, okay. well dude when because, i saw you,
2: when i saw your stuff i related immediately to yeah. it i think you're probably five six years older than me but i related immediately to it yeah. i was like holy shit, this guy's got killer yeah. killer content it's man. Amazing. So much respect to
0: you totally thank you guys i appreciate it man and and uh you know good luck with everything and, and keep on keeping on no one Thanks else so is gonna. we got to do it thank, thank you absolutely right, stay man. in
3: touch and we'll help promote that book when it does come out all right absolutely thank you so much you bet have a great right, night mike, mike. take See care you. you too thank you my friend bye-bye bye-bye
2: there you go
1: very cool story yeah what I a mean, nice guy stories i mean just <laughs> A bookful, and yeah. that's why he needs to yeah. write that book. And seriously, it out check and out his
2: pictures. His pictures are killer.
1: What a
3: yeah. what yeah. a nice dude, man! Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's, he's check him out. Great.
1: Everybody, give him some some love. Give him some hearts. Go follow him. Give him some stars give
2: if you him, want. It. Give him some YouTube views.
3: So we're we're a little bit over our. I mean, not that we have to stay on an hour, no, but yeah, we they're... try to usually limit our show to about an hour. because yeah. we, we got
1: more people now than we ever had, but, <laughs>
3: but you like ever ever.
1: So we can just keep talking forever
3: so let's just real quick uh well let's first of all teresa you want to come on camera and say hello to your i want
1: to say thanks to everyone for sending us all those stars i appreciate it i'm going to name them off tracy long thank you for the 200 uh marie uh thank you for sending us uh stacy thank you for sending the 200 doug weber awesome thank you dude wow um scott squires you were great by sending those 200 yourself angie k thank you (laughs) um (laughs) Fifty, also sent by Scott Squires. Thank you, dude. The fuck Stop paying uh, yourself, dude. Jake. We got we got a couple followers with your name, dude. Well, they they give they give you a free free two hundred stars. So if you get on there on your own, oh. you can just send the two hundred and it helps us. So like she can send two hundred, you can send two hundred, and you. I'm can can send not 200. sending
3: you guys anything. Right?
1: It, it's free. It's not. Oh. it's not going to cost you a dime. <laughs> okay. It it just helps us. You scratch my back, I'll scratch uh, your. Jason back. Fritz, thanks for sending your ninety nine. Thanks, Loof balloons, and um, <laughs> I appreciate everyone for, for being in the chat room. And uh, oh wow, yeah, Bernadette, thank you
2: for sending
3: your ninety nine.
2: Thank you,
1: appreciate Man, that. we have
3: to do something special for you guys, like maybe do another episode. We yeah, can, right. We can do that. We'll
2: be back in an hour with the second part. I'm just kidding.
3: Yeah. So let let's talk about that. Did you learn anything today? Teresa
1: that's
2: Trina
3: now talking to that Mike you got it like pretend like you're like you're just you're just on it girl did I learn anything today yeah what'd you learn from Mike from anything yeah Um, well from Mike or from from the stories or from Scott or just a lesson you might have
1: learned outside today in life I learned that he said good question from to me (laughs) twice you had two
3: good
2: questions (laughs) as far as he was concerned I was keeping score (laughs) thank you for keeping score absolutely it was a noisy show. There was lots of drops of stuff. Well, the, wind, the, the, well, the
1: fan blew my, my paper down. Scott out. was dropping all of that. So. Well, that the, fan, the fan just blew it off. Yeah. And then, You're fine. And then I also We're had rusty. A, a pair of glasses yeah. that but fell. But
3: you guys didn't let Teresa answer if she learned anything. Did you learn anything? Or not really? No. It's no.
2: no, I didn't. No, I didn't.
3: <laughs> no. Good. I didn't either. Well, I yeah, did, but I, I, I watched a lot of his videos too. Yeah, well, that's true. Actually, so you know what? I learned we, a lot from Mike. I did.
2: We did the we did the research. Yeah, yeah. His, I like
1: his stories. They're, they're. Yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah. I wanted to talk about the mud wrestling story, but you know, we we ran out of time. Well, they
3: just need to go to his before I forget YouTube channel to check that out. Let's give yes, a quick do. quick shout out to the sponsors D E B concerts. Man, those guys are pumped and ready for Rocklahoma. They are getting the big truck out there the deb concert stage is is ready for some rock and roll out at rock Oklahoma. and
1: what a, what a show a sold-out show at the bok oh, that they put on way right? to go doug la guns tom Kiefer and poison so
3: amazing so amazing way to go so check out debconcerts.com for all the all the fun stuff coming up uh Oki pc dustin little has stuck with us through thick and thin. Thick Thank and, you, Dustin. And through a big, long summer break. Thank you, Dustin. Check out okipc.com for practical technology and networking services for Oklahoma's local business community. Call 918-640-0892 or email dustin at okiepc.com. Shout out to Psychomo Filmworks. We're still loving that new intro. If you need a video for your band or your business, email Psychomo at gmail.com. Adam Richmond, how about this guy? He is now the official podcast of Rock, Oklahoma. Rightly deserved. Congratulations. Good job, Adam. Surviving Rock, Oklahoma. Identity merch. Hey, guys, it's going to be getting chilly pretty soon. Why don't you go to our Facebook page, Tulsa Music Stream. There's a link at the top. It's the top post. We have it pinned to the top. You can get yourself a hoodie. Or some mittens. or Or this nice long-sleeve T-shirt here for the upcoming cooler months. Or if you're just hot-blooded and hot-natured, just get a short sleeve. Whatever you need to do. Thanks again to uh, gregshipman.com for helping us get our start when we first kicked this thing off. We appreciate all you guys did up front to get things rolling. Uh, let's talk real quick. Upcoming shows, Thursday, September 8th. That's in a couple weeks from now. Troy Laketta from Tesla. That's going to be Oops. awesome. Dustin Little helped us with that one. We're going to talk to Troy about what he has going on. And then uh, October 6th is a ways out there, but anthony quarter from torah torah yeah. we'll and on we're
1: trying this. to talk to um oh the the, the the papa liliac and to get the liliac oh, yeah. guys on but we're yeah. just not i thought you were gonna say
2: papa emeritus
3: no not yet <laughs> yeah we're working on liliac but we haven't connected yet as far as a, a time that works for well both we got sides. a four
2: o'clock time and it's not i'm at work yeah. oh geez I'm he's a... gonna interview himself
3: have to no,
1: it's going to be the, the, the Liliac kids oh. on Zoom. The kids. Oh. Well, they're, right.
3: they're young adults, Scott.
1: Okay. I don't know about the keyboard player. He's pretty young. Well, be. you're right. You're right. Base player's coming It could be an after-school
3: special. Right. It, but we're trying yes. to connect with them and, and make that work. So we're working hard to bring you these fun shows that are fun to do and hopefully fun to watch. We do want to also send our thoughts and love and condolences to the family and friends of Greg Gash who passed away. Unfortunately, uh, he was uh, loved by many. And and I, you guys, did you did you check out his band Am- Amethyst when you all were young?
2: Um, when I was sixteen, I heard. That uh, His band needed a bass player, so actually Teresa Gatti took me in her white Camaro um, to some club on Lewis, and I, which I learned later was Illusions, and I went in there and I auditioned for Greg's band, hmm. um, but I was young and I didn't have much experience, and of course I wasn't even really supposed to be in the bars, so they didn't use me, but uh, later in life I teased him about it, he'd come see us play and be like, yeah, should have used you then, huh? I said, yep.
3: Well, don't feel bad, because I missed out on a gig because I was a girl one time but hey so rest happens. in peace greg thank you yeah. for letting
2: me come uh yeah. thanks for that opportunity when yeah. i was a young kid yep. i remember one
1: time i i didn't get a gig because i had a dong
2: oh no shit yeah. huh uh
1: yeah Horrible.
3: those I girls mean, like, and kitty didn't want you did they i
2: felt so bad oh damn man shit. yeah
3: those dongs will get you in trouble guys yeah, they just
2: will. just ding, keep, ding keep it keep the wraps on it ding, 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 all
3: right well, it's nine twelve. You probably want to eat some lasagna. I want to I go to know.
2: bed. I don't know. I don't. I do want to like um, eat some lasagna, but mm. <sighs> you know,
3: don't get don't get acid indigestion.
2: I know, right? Yeah, yeah.
3: right. All right, guys. We love you guys. We're going to be back on Thursday, September eighth, with Troy Lacata from Tesla. That's my birthday
2: episode, man, because my birthday's the next day. That's right.
1: And and happy belated uh, was in the chat room. Said happy belated. Birthday Jana. to you, yes. Jana, from... Um, Thanks so much. Who, who said that? Yeah, see oh, Travis Arnold did.
3: Oh, thank you, Travis. And let's promote ourselves. Rocket Science is at Lenny's this weekend. <sighs> DMS is at the Vanguard. Yep. Yeah, you, And, Little, and, if, you, if, and if, if,
1: if you go see them, then afterwards, come see us. Well, I'm going to come see you guys. No, you're no, not. You're not. You'll be, no, you're not. No, you're not. Hey, why don't we switch? We should. And just <laughs> mess with people. Why don't you play bass, <laughs> and know I'll come sing for Rocket <laughs> Science? What we should have done, like... like it. When you we were in um, at the casino, it would had been cool if we would have just switched and just didn't tell anybody. Okay.
3: That would have been hilarious. A switcheroo, huh? Yeah, um, the promoters would have loved that. They'd be like, wait, weren't you here last week? Who the hell is this?
2: We haven't been on the air so long, we can't get off now. We just want to keep fucking talking. <laughs> Don't
3: make us sign off, you guys. Anyway,
2: right. thank you guys. Um, make sure you share our
1: um, our stream if you haven't already. That way we can have everyone... Check it out and send us some stars. They give you free 200 stars. Send them. Get on there,
2: please. Is that the most it. you can send us, 200? Free.
1: Oh, or just free. The first time they
2: give you 200. free. All right, so everybody that sent us free stars, now go back and, well.
3: How many stars can a person buy? Can you as buy like mu- as 200? As much as you want. Can you buy 200,000 stars if you if you want?
2: 2,000
1: bit stars. No,
3: 200,000. Well, 000? when
1: you get stars, you can get you can get 75 stars for 99 cents.
3: Julie Martindale just
1: 235 heard. stars for 2.99, 490 stars for 5.99. And you don't have to give them all out. You can ration them out like you're in you know like split them up between don't, the three of us. Don't like, ration your Here's 33 oh, for if you. You just want to give like 30 for us, and there's like another stream like Surviving Rocklahoma or something. You want oh, to give them 30, and then you know whatever you you use them on whatever inflation yeah but uh for 49.99 you can get 4,465 stars and you know i wouldn't mind if you guys did that no i mean what christmas is coming
3: what else is there to spend your money on but at
1: the top it'll say 200 free and then you just get your 200 and you can send all 200 to us Hmm. it's really cool i like your way of thinking bud yeah anyway we got to go now we're
3: stars Have a good night. We love you guys. See you back here on September 8th with Troy LaCetta from Tesla. Have a great weekend. Be safe. God bless.